I am thrilled to announce the publication of a new book, Fit for the Future, a guidebook for nonprofits to thrive Hello, in a changing here on the world. Empowerment Zone, Volume we are all about And I am proud to be a part impact. of this impactful project a as a contributing author. Who is doing so today much we are featuring the visionary behind around this book, the world, Dr. Caroline Opinion. Building up and being a resource to nonprofits also called NGOs, non-governmental. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations uh, and our journey to empowering my our communities. Has been on several times, uh, and I'm whether really, you are really a leader in the nonprofit sector, again, a philanthropist, doctor, a staff Caroline member, or a community volunteer. Welcome, Dr. Caroline. I'm sure Welcome you will learn Dr. Caroline from our conversation. On what Thank it you takes so much, Dr. Ramona. It's a great honor and a pleasure NGO. to come back. Dr. Caroline Day is an award-winning social so impact Caroline expert, is from the author, NGO speaker, Whisper and founder and CEO of the NGO Whisper uh, Center for Social Kingdom. Impact. Enjoy our conversation and see show uh, notes for more information about Dr. around the world. As always, today, please subscribe um, to the Empowerment Zone we're podcast celebrating the and fact give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Your support will ensure. Sure that we continue uh, our journey say that I'm one of the authors of impact. one of the chapters. Thank on you. Specifically the chapter on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. But also she just had a an absolutely spectacular global summit uh, a week or two ago. Uh, and uh, I was happy to participate in her summit as well. She's really um, doing some great work through the... Um, through her center and in this summit, she featured several leaders around the world representing various organizations uh, and uh, the topics covered uh, a large range or diverse range of issues that nonprofits uh, need to consider as they uh, build, uh, build and grow. And so I'm very happy that she's here today. And today her topic is Fit for the Future, which is also the name of the book. So uh, Dr. Caroline, so before we get started on this great conversation, tell us about yourself and the founding of the NGO Whisper for Social Impact and give us a little bit of back background about you and your work with NGOs. Thank you so much, Dr. Ramana. It's uh, always a pleasure to discuss issues about the nonprofit sector, social impact sector, or as some people call it, the non-governmental sector. I stepped into this sector by mistake. I wasn't supposed to be in here for long. <laughs> I was on my way to do my master's. I was going to branch either into mathematics or chemistry because that was my major at the University of Nairobi. And I was invited to be a volunteer for a HIV and AIDS uh, peer education program at my university. So I, in my final year, I trained as a peer educator. Back in the day, it was mostly focused on the ABCs of behavior change communication as a way of preventing high incidences of HIV um, and AIDS within universities. And so that was in the uh, 
early 2000s when I, when I was at the university. And so I offered my time, did a little bit of peer education for about six months, went through training and I was a qualified peer educator. And then I started working and I was invited one day, actually it was on, on a Sunday, someone said, would you be interested to offer your time and continue working with this organization that trained you. And I said, by all means. At that time I was interning at a research farm and I was thinking, hmm, I've graduated. I could go either into sciences, but mathematics branch or chemistry, become a chemical engineer. I wasn't decided yet. And uh, the following day was on a Monday. I went, it was in August, I remember 2003. <laughs> Uh, first week of August, I went into the office and after five minutes, uh, engineer Mike Mutungi is an engineer also and branched into nonprofit work. And he started it, founded that organization called I Choose Life Africa. And after an interview, he had known me because I was a peer educator. I was one of the leaders. And he asked me if I would be interested in taking on a job. And I said, by all means, but I have a job interning. And he said, no, this is a paid salary. This is how much we will pay you. Would you be interested? And I said, yes, without thinking. And then later I called my family, my dad, uh, my, uh, there was, uh, my dad was still alive at that time. He's now passed. And I shared this idea with them. And my dad said, if they're paying you, go for that. That internship job doesn't pay. <laughs> Stay there for a few months and then find your way, save some money and then see how you're going to go for your grad, uh, graduate school and specialize in whatever you want to. And <laughs> four years later, I found myself in South Africa after working for I Choose Life working for another large organization that does voluntary work uh, called Voluntary Services Overseas. It's the oldest and it's a British organization. And after two years, I got stepped out of that, got into another <laughs> seven years of employment. And after that, I thought to myself, I want to set up my own consulting firm, working with nonprofits, especially small and medium-sized nonprofits that are doing amazing work. And that's how the NGO Whisperer Center for Social Impact came about. And of course, relocated to the UK where I now live. I studied here for two years and then met my husband whom we now live with here in the UK. He was already here in the UK. And that's why we are based here in the UK. Uh, and that's the short form of my story. Isn't that amazing? Going from chemistry and mathematics to the nonprofit world. And it's just amazing how uh, our lives take us through this journey that we never know exactly where we're going, but it always, if we're open to it, it always lands us right where we're supposed to be. And so when you look at the NGO Whisper for Social Impact, what is your primary mission and purpose? What do you do there at the center? Um, we rebranded. I think the last time I was here, um, our slogan was connecting people, raising funds, impacting lives. And now we have rebranded. And now we are the NGO Whisperer Center for Social Impact. And our slogan or our tagline is 
uh, driving social innovation, investment, and impact for a sustainable world. And this is in line with what we are doing moving forward and having grown, we haven't stopped connecting people, we haven't stopped raising funds, we haven't stopped impacting lives, but we are really looking at uh, what the future looks like, and that is social innovation, social investment, and definitely impacting life, which is social impact. So all that, what we had from our old name, which was just the NGO Whisperer, now we are called Center for Social Impact, we've added those two together, um, we are doing amazing things and some of those things include designing programs that are specific, specifically focused on social innovation and promoting social innovation within the nonprofit sector. Nonprofit sector are always seen as the last people to embrace innovation. And one of the most important things that you can do within your organization now is to embrace innovate, innovation in every way to improve efficiency and effectiveness of everything that you do. And so that's why even with our global summit, we had one of our tracks as artificial intelligence and innovation. And I am so bought into this idea of having the people who are doing good in the community also being at the forefront of promoting social innovation and artificial intelligence that serves us and helps us to be more effective. And if there's a quicker way or a faster way of serving our people, we want the nonprofit to be there at the forefront. And so that is my passion and that's what's driving us. And when we speak about social investment, we are moving away from the traditional ways of raising funds, which was basically drafting grant applications and waiting for the grant period until sometimes it will be nine months before you get funding. And we are looking at new ways of raising funds. And one of the most exciting um, things that happened in this summit is we had uh, Phyllis Kulanda, co-founder and president of Outcomes X, present to us a social, um, social impact or social outcomes market where nonprofits can actually present their outcomes and donors can pay for it. And so it operates like a, 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 a stock exchange market, except that the stock here is the outcomes that these nonprofits uh, can offer. And it is still in the pilot phase with work that they are doing in Ukraine, but I am so excited that there are all these new innovative ways that will help smaller nonprofits who are doing amazing work, get funded and be able to do their work without the stress of waiting for 12 months, sometimes nine months, or this, the, the earliest some of these grants can get you funding is sometimes uh, three months, six months. And if you have a community that needs your help now, um, those communities can't wait for six months. It's someone's life on the line. They can't wait for six months for you to get funding to come and save lives. They need the funding yesterday. And so this is why we rebranded. Uh, and so we are driving social innovation, investment and impact for a sustainable world now, because we believe the future is now. <laughs> and also uh, for a sustainable world now and in the future.
I I really really like the fact that you as a leader are it that you are open to evolution and rebranding. You know, a lot of people once they decide who they are and what they are doing, they stick with that particular name, that particular mission statement. And over the years, you have grown in terms of allowing your organization to be rebranded. I think that, I believe that's innovative because so many times people stay the same uh, in how they project themselves to the world. I know when you uh, change the name of the center, uh, and change the name to the Center for Social Impact and, um, you know, and had your old, like you said, mission statement, even before you, you took that mission statement. That was the second process that I know of. And here you are in the third and we've only known each other a few years. So congratulations on that. And social innovation, as you stated, is so important and nonprofits need to be more innovative and not uh, be so stringent in in the way we operate if we're going to build a sustainable world. So with uh, congratulations again uh, on your summit, I can't wait to go back and listen to all and watch all of the different sessions you had. Um, as you know, you started at four o'clock in the morning U.S. time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I made as much as I could uh, and I had, uh, but anyway, I look forward to to um, going back and looking at many of those sessions. So let's move on to the book. Congratulations again on the book, Fit for the Future. I, I'm really excited for you. I know you worked very hard and long on this project. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? Absolutely. Um, Fit for the Future is a guidebook. It is a guidebook that will help any nonprofit that is looking at um, expanding, any nonprofit that is looking at overcoming the challenges that they face every day in this changing world. As you know, nothing is static, uh, it's always evolving. And there are issues that organizations face when they, there's evolution. And it's not just about the external environment, it's also about the internal environment within an organization. And so Fit for the Future has, has is a well thought book that touches on six topics. And uh, I will start with the first one, which is on capture planning for, for small and medium sized nonprofits. And this is speaking about how to position your nonprofit way ahead as you're preparing to enter into um, negotiation with any funding uh, partner, whether that funding partner is an individual or, uh, or an institution or a funding agency. Many nonprofits don't go through this process. They just rush and submit applications or send letters of in interest or inquiries to seek for uh, funding, they rarely, they rarely spend time um, in effective capture planning. And so that's a chapter that I contributed to. And then chapter two is on change management fundamentals for social impact written by my good friend, Florence Chikoware, uh, based in South Africa. And Florence is an expert in change management. 
And here she's focusing on setting up the stage for nonprofits to embrace change management principles. And there are exercises, of course, in the first chapter and also in my chapter, there are exercises throughout the book and canvases and templates that you can use because it is a guidebook. <laughs> it's not just a book that you read in one day and you're done with it. It's a book that you read and reread and utilize it and create and take some of those templates and create tools for your organization. So that's on change management. And the third chapter is written by another good friend of mine whom I've worked with for many years. Uh, the first organization I worked with, I worked with him where we were working on HIV and AIDS and he was our monitoring and evaluation coordinator then. And his chapter, as if you can guess, it's about monitoring, evaluation and learning. And it is called People and Things in Development, Understanding the Why and How of Results Through monitoring, evaluation, and learning. And I know Charles Waria, he lives and breathes sustainable development. He's an, a sustainable development enthusiast. And so in his chapter, he tells his story of how he stepped into the nonprofit sector. I'm very familiar with it because we started working together and uh, we've been very good friends. And, and even to now where he lives with his family in Kenya and I'm here in the UK with my family, still keep in touch. And so in his chapter, he speaks about monitoring and evaluation in a very simple language that anyone who is new into this field can understand it. And so it's a very easy to read chapter. Then chapter four is an agile approach in organizational management written by another friend whom I have known since 2017, um, Nancy Mayer. Nancy Mayer uh, is based in United States in Utah. And, uh, and she's Canadian who moved to the United States. So she brings in experience in agile project management uh, as I am, we co-authored this chapter, but mostly written by her. And she uses the analogy of a motorbike because she is a, a, a motorbiker who loves, uh, she loves going for long rides on her motorbike. And so she talks about revving it up as you're starting your, <laughs> your motorbike, tuning the team, mapping it out, hitting the road and arriving alive, of course, as they are speeding. And so she speaks about the agile approach in organizational management. That's a chapter and I co-authored uh, it with her. And then the fifth chapter, which is written by our very own <laughs> Dr. Ramona Houston. Um, thank you so much for this collaboration. Uh, building a more su uh, successful and sustainable organization through diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And here you are introducing us to what DEIA is and what it means for nonprofits. And so this chapter is a chapter that anyone who hasn't set up um, a system in their organization on how to embrace diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, you can take this chapter, read it, and apply it in your organization. And like I said, all our chapters, they are not just books that you read or chapters that you read and you toss aside because there are a lot of thought provoking questions that will question what can we do? How can we change this in our organization? So thank you so much, Dr. Ramona, for that well-written chapter. And then the last chapter is on 
a pivotal moment, founder CEO transitions into the non-profit sector. And this one is talking about when a CEO or a founder is transitioning out of their organization that they founded. And one of the things that is so critical about this chapter is it's talking about succession planning. Succession planning is such a critical component that many of us who are co-founders of our own organization, including myself and as well as you, Dr. Ramona, many of us think we will be here forever, but we won't. When you're establishing your organization, you never think, huh, let me start with the end in mind. But this chapter is telling us that you need to think about how you're going to transition and let someone else come run your organization you, it doesn't have to be when you're not here with us. It could be after five years. It could be after, you know, you take a break and you decide to pursue other things. But it shouldn't be when your board now feels they need to kick you out. Nobody should be kicked out of anything, you know. And it's written by a collaboration that we have at the NGO Whisperer Center for Social Impact with another organization, which is an executive search firm based in the UK and operating globally. They recently set up their office in the United States. They are called Oxford HR. And Oxford HR uh, works here, like I said, and many other countries around the world. And they had two uh, co-authors, Dominic Bond and Susanne Skarupa, who wrote this. And Dominic Bond, he himself transitioned as a founder of his organization <laughs> into another role where he now works with Oxford HR uh, most recently. And just yesterday, uh, I was reading on social media that the CEO, the group CEO of Oxford HR, he founded his own organization called the Charity People. They're based here in the UK. And he's just fully transitioned from uh, that organization to, of course, he's still the CEO of, um, group CEO of, uh, of uh, Oxford HR, but he was in transition and yesterday was the last day of him being the founder CEO of his organization. And it's so interesting that his organization has now been transformed into an employee-owned organization. And these are exciting things that I think we need to think about when we are establishing our consultancy. And even within, within the nonprofit sector, you have founders who've established a nonprofit. And a time comes when you need to step away and let someone with fresh ideas or someone younger to take over. And many founders suffer from the founder syndrome and they don't want to go. And the board has to forcefully you know, push you aside. It shouldn't be so. As founders, we need to actually initiate the transitions where we are leaving our organization in good hands and continue to contribute to it as an advisor or within the board in, in, in other ways um, and letting other people come and do what needs to be done. So this is what uh, this book is all about. Six chapters, well-thought uh, chapters. We narrowed it down to six chapters because we felt these six things are what is lacking in many organizations, especially nonprofits. And now we are helping nonprofits to implement these with tools, with strategies, templates. So when you go into the book, you'll find tables and graphs and all sorts of uh, tools that you can apply in your organization. 
So it is a book that everyone needs in their uh, in their in their library, but also near <laughs> their desks and everywhere there's an organization implementing any form of work every day in your meetings, staff meetings. This is a book that we encourage you and your employees and everyone in your board and your supporters to read because it will add so much value to your work. Thank you. Thank you so much for a summary of the book and telling us about the value of each chapter. So I'm curious, why did you decide to create this book? This book was uh, something that was inspired by work that I started doing with nonprofits when COVID happened. When COVID hit, many organizations came to me and they said, look, we don't know what to do about funding. We don't know what to do about um, reaching out to donors because donors are saying they will only fund organizations that they have been working with. And we only want to fund those organizations that we know. So what do we do? That's what donors were telling many organizations and they're seeking for funding. And for those two years, I spent time helping many organizations do what capture planning should, should look like and setting up systems. At that time also, there was a lot of changes happening and many nonprofits did not have systems for change management. And that's when I brought uh, Florence Chikoware on to help us with change management processes. And then of course there was monitoring and evaluation because donors were insisting on what have you been doing all along? Take this time to document. And I brought Charles Waria on. And then there were issues of diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility with all the things that happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and all sorts of things. And, you know, I brought you along. And then there was the issue of many CEOs thinking, I'm done. I want to go and I will close down my nonprofit because I don't know anyone I can live it with. I've never thought of a succession plan. And I had a chat with Oxford HR team. My coordinators there are Susie Mills and Ruth Davis. And I said, could you write something, a contribute to our book on uh, something on succession planning? Because I'm meeting all these nonprofit leaders who want to close down their nonprofit. They're thinking, what do I do? I don't see anyone here I can hand over this organization to. And they said, oh, we are also thinking of developing something about succession planning. Hence the chapter founder CEO transitions in the nonprofit sector. So. All these things that we, all these topics and, and, and titles, they came out of a necessity. It was a need that was expressed by organizations. And of course we had other chapters, but at the end of it, we narrowed down to these six and these six chapters became what we now call fit for the future. And I believe there's gonna be a volume two because this is volume one. So that is a great way of 
creating the book, you know, being inspired by what you saw around you, you know, and what was happening in the nonprofit sector around you. So what do you want your readers to gain from reading this book? This this book will inspire you first and foremost to question things that you are implementing in your organization, whether it's your resource mobilization processes, your change management, uh, your monitoring and evaluation, why are you doing what you're doing, uh, and your agile approaches to management within your organization. How agile are you? Are you flexible? Are you rigid? Are you agile? And it will open up your eyes to issues around diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility within your organization. And whether you think you are or you're not, it will be literally like a mirror showing you, this is exactly what should be done and there are gaps within your organization. And it will also challenge you to have a succession plan if you are being led by your founder, for your founder to now begin to think, I need to transition and let someone else come in and not wait to be kicked out. So this book, is a thought provoker. This book will help you in terms of if you're ready to take on, because you have to be ready to take on the exercises and begin to implement it in your organization. You can literally use it as a tool for coaching your leaders in your organization and go chapter by chapter, educating people in your organization and implementing what we have here. It's a leadership manual. It's a change management tool. It's a DEI and A tool that you can use. It can, it's something that you can use uh, at the board level when they are planning for recruitment of a CEO to replace the founder. So the board of your organization can actually take that chapter. Of course, the agile chapter is also very good when it comes to agile leadership and management and DEI, when you're looking at hiring, who, who can you hire in your organization to take over and the chain of activities that needs to be done. We even have uh, months, you know, like a nine month phase through which you can follow step-by-step step what to do on month one, up to the time the CEO transitions completely. So that gives you about one year of processes and things that you need to do so that no one needs to be kicked out of their organization. They need to transition smoothly and it has to be an initiative of the founder themselves. So it can be used in human resource, in project management, change management, monitoring evaluation, and uh, research and learning, resource mobilization, you name it. So these are these are uh, pillars of or disciplines or lines of business within the nonprofit sector. They can all be utilized in this. So I really encourage nonprofits, get a copy of this. Go chapter by chapter, implement it in your organization. And then, of course, go on Amazon and let us know what you did and how it impacted your organization. Yes, and that was going to be my next question is how can they get the book? And we know it's on Amazon. You can uh, get it there. And I'm sure, like you uh, said, Dr. Caroline, people who are leading are um, nonprofit organizations, NGOs can learn so much from this book and can really help to 
build and develop all aspects of their organization. That's why I like it. It's a holistic approach to the uh, uh, development of nonprofits. So, of course, with you being the NGO Whisperer Center for Social Impact, my last question is, what impact do you want this book to make? The biggest impact is on the title of the book. I would like every leader who reads this book to be fit for the future. And from our summit, we said the future is now. So the future is now, the future is equal, the future talks about diversity, the future is inclusion, it's accessibility, it's belonging, it's reconciliation as we have uh, coined the term jade and included justice in it. The future is about people who are doing good within the community being prepared to serve people effectively and efficiently at the optimal level today. And so that makes you fit for the future, which is now. So Dr. Carolyn, as you know, I am a big advocate for higher education. And I want to know what strategy would you share with students to ensure that they're successful in college? And can you begin by letting us know what college or colleges did you attend? What were your majors and degrees? And then give us that great strategy for college success. Thank you so much, it's an honor. I hold a master's of project management from the University of Salford in Manchester, United Kingdom. I hold a bachelor of science in mathematics and chemistry is a double major from the University of Nairobi, Kenya, where I come from. And I hold an honorary doctorate from United Graduates College. That is a honorary doctorate in humanity based on the work that I have done in the nonprofit sector. Um, I also hold other uh, accreditations, but I will, I will stop there. Uh, strategies for students in college. One of the most important things that I have learned having studied sciences and then gone into the nonprofit sector and someone might say, you need to have studied social sciences. And I said, no, you might think it's a waste. It's not a waste. Everything that you learn comes full circle and it adds value. It might not be that I am working with chemicals or numbers as a mathematician would, but it's the critical thinking that having studied sciences gives me when it comes to leadership and addressing complex matters. And so whatever it is you choose to study at that time, do it the best of your ability. And when the time comes and opportunities come your way after you have graduated or even when you are still in college, get work experience even while you're studying, because I did a lot of that. Uh, get work experience and learn work ethic and be excellent in everything you do. I will say this again, excellence will open doors for you and in places where you might never even think you would go. Because when you're excellent, no one will stop you from sitting at a table where they're looking for excellent people. 
So it's not a matter of color or diversity or anything. Be excellent. Doors will open for you. That's what I strive for. That's what I encourage everyone to be. And it's one of our values here at the NGO Whisperer Center for Social Impact. Excellence. It has no gender. It has no color. I love your advice. Three important strategies for college success. Whatever you choose to study, do your best. Get work while work experience while you're in college and learn to develop a good work ethic, which is strive for excellence in everything you do. Thank you so much, Dr. Caroline Opende. It's a pleasure having you on the show. You're one of three guests that I've had on my show uh, three times. My sister, Dr. Risa Houston, uh, a friend, a good friend of mine, uh, Alfred Ramirez, and then yourself, Dr. Caroline Opende. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest. With this 221st episode, the Empowerment Zone is ending in its current form. But don't worry, we have some exciting surprises for you in 2024. Creating the Empowerment Zone podcast has been an absolutely uh, incredible experience. I knew nothing about podcasts when I started. Learning how to create and develop my own podcast has been such an empowering and affirming experience. Now I have four years, four seasons, and 221 episodes to be proud of. Wow. I want to take a moment to express my gratitude to a number of people who have contributed to the Empowerment Zone. Thank you to my little cousin, Samantha Siebert, who called me one day and said, you should create a podcast. Yes, it was you, Samantha, who planted the seed. Thank you. I love you very, very much. And that seed remained just a thought for over two years. It began to blossom after my conversation with Peter Martin. Thank you to Peter Martin, host of the You'll Hear It podcast. In one of our random conversations, I was asking Peter a million questions about podcasting. I expressed my desire to start a podcast, but at the same time, I expressed my insecurities about starting one. Peter had the most simplistic yet powerful advice for me. Just jump in. You'll figure it out as you go. And with that great advice, I started the Empowerment Zone. Thank you to Networks, the genius that shares their magic in the digital production of this podcast. It has been such a pleasure to work with Networks. You are absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for taking this journey with me and being there every step of the way. Thank you to my husband, Terry Angoli, the composer and arranger of the theme song for the Empowerment Zone. Also, thank you to Kerry Williams and Mark Carey, the other musicians who played on the track. A special thank you to my mother, Loretta Houston, who provides the wonderful voiceovers for each episode. Moreover, thank you, Mama, for being such an extraordinary mother whose love, guidance, and teachings continue to shape and bless me. 
Thank you to all of my absolutely spectacular guests from all walks of life and professions for sharing your expertise. You have inspired, educated, and enlightened my audience and me about numerous topics focused on empowerment and impact. A special shout out and thank you to my baby sister, Dr. Risa Houston, for being my very first guest. Of course, thank you to my listeners all over the U.S. and world. It has been so affirming to hear from you and to learn how the Empowerment Zone has impacted and transformed your lives. Thank you to each and all of you for your love and support. And even though we are currently ending the Empowerment Zone in its current form, don't fret. We will be returning in 2024 with an even better variant of this show. Until then, you can continue to listen to and enjoy previous episodes of The Empowerment Zone. They provide all types of enlightening and empowering information. In fact, we have over 221 episodes that you can enjoy. You may find them on all podcast platforms and on RamonaHouston.com. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued support of the Empowerment Zone podcast and all the love you give me. I appreciate each and every one of you.